In this episode, I'm not going to do anything special about Gray Man. I'm going to tell you a story about some missing items and what happens when things go missing in the military. I had an article shared with me recently. Something like seven pounds of C4 explosives went missing from a training exercise in 29 Palms Marine Corps base. They've extended the exercise. I don't know if that's been resolved yet, but I got one or two interesting stories. I thought maybe having a different type of thing go on, give you something to listen to that'd be more entertaining just to tell you a little story. Nothing significant to the gray man concept, but these are fun stories and give you an idea of what happens when things go missing in the military. So that's what we're going to do. A little story time about things that go missing that are very important right here on gray man hiding in plain sight. I know I haven't quite kept up with this as much as I wanted to. I've been working on some new projects. I've been relatively busy. I'm actually looking at starting into a subscription service. I've already started it. It kind of went a little different route than what I was intending, but what I'm using it for now is I'm another platform. It's not Patreon, but it's very similar. Where I'm posting a lot of the stuff I am on normal social media. Not all of it, but the majority of it's the same. I also put other things in there that's free for people who don't subscribe. And then I take questions and provide training materials and classes. And I'm working on some video classes for that subscription service. I'll be sharing that soon. I could do it right now. I think I put a post up just kind of seeing if people are interested. It's $2 a month for those who want to subscribe. There is a code. I will put it in the show notes if you want to check it out. The code is ACINTEL, A-C-I-N-T-E-L, or spelled phonetically Alpha Charlie India November Tango Echo Lima. Get your first 30 days free on a website called Locals.com. So that's a place you can come check me out, see where I'm putting in some extra work, extra stuff. I am going to have a live show coming soon. People have been asking me for a long time. I want to get back into that. I've been saying it for like a year, but I've already got it kind of set up what I'm going to do. So make sure that on social media, using my email, whatever you want through the show notes that you reach out, tell me some questions or subjects you want me to entertain or have available during that question and answer. Some I'll be able to do on the live show. Some I might do another show or another podcast on. I do still have a few questions from people in the last probably month that's come in for this show. So getting into the story, I didn't get too much of the details or I don't have any contact with anybody in 29 Plums, but I had a similar thing happen to me around the year 2000 when I was stationed in Hawaii at Schofield Barracks. Out there, there's mountains, they call them in Hawaii, called the Kahukus. Great place to go train, especially when they make you walk in or walk out 18, 20 miles carrying way too much weight. It's a fun time. It was fun. I did enjoy it a lot, but we went out there and had our whole battalion. In fact, I think we had most of our brigade out there doing some type of large exercise over several days. I don't remember the specifics of it, but when we came back, typically what you do is we have things called sensitive items. It's typically anything with a serial number that get checked regularly. And then when we came back to the rear or back to garrison, you of course check this stuff again and you turn it in, make sure it's clean, and go through the whole process, what we call a reset. Somewhere along the lines, and I don't know if it happened after we got back, which would be really bad, or with the unit that was still out there, one of our companies, somebody had lost a pair of night vision, PVS-14s. They were missing. Now, there's a whole process of reporting this and what happens, and it has to go very quickly. People can get fired over this. People can get relieved. It's very significant. They're expensive. At the time, those were probably around $6,000 under a government contract. So they locked us down. What that meant was we weren't going home. 
Now, I think my company was back first. I think some of us actually did go home and they recalled us, if I remember correctly. We had to sleep there. And then people were going to go out and do hands across the desert, as we call it, where you basically stand arm in arm. Similar idea you see in movies and probably happens in Search and Rescue when they're looking for people that are missing. Looking for a small cylindrical object about six inches long that was expensive night vision. And my company never actually left the rear. We never went back out there, but the other companies did. And I don't remember the details of that. And this this went on for a few days. And the story evolved a little bit every day of what had happened. But what we'd figure out is a mortarman, a sergeant, in one of the other companies was missing his PVS-14s. And through this process of trying to figure out why he had screwed up because he was an NCO, and they're out there looking for him, somehow it gets tied into one of his soldiers, one of his privates. And I don't remember exactly how they came across it with this private. But what they had determined was that they weren't lost, they were stolen. In fact, this private was mad at his sergeant. And a lot of sensitive items, we would tie them down. We would take 550 cord, and you would basically tie items off so that if you dropped them, they didn't hit the ground. Or if you had night vision on your helmet, they'd be tied off to your helmet. So if they dropped, you wouldn't lose them. They wouldn't get lost. They wouldn't necessarily break. You know, a lot of people have rifles, and they put, say, like red dots and scopes on them. All those would be tied down. That's how we always did it in the military. It was a standard thing. I still tie a lot of my stuff down. So what this kid had done is being mad at his sergeant. He pulled out his knife, and he cut the tie down off of his rucksack, which is where this sergeant had his night vision, and he took his night vision. He threw it in the porta potty on the floor. So what he had told them is, yeah, I got mad. I cut it off, and I threw it in the porta potty That's what he told them. So they went out there, of course, checked all the porta potties couldn't find it, realized based on the cleaning schedule and whoever had seen whatever that the company had come out in this part of the training area and had cleaned out the porta potties So they had already sucked out all the nasty stuff. And because he said I had thrown it in the porta potty they assumed he threw it right into the goo, as we would call it. So what this resulted in was several people having to put on hazmat suits that were soldiers, and they went out to wherever they dumped this waste. And they were out there for quite a while, waist deep, sifting through all this blue nastiness of human waste, trying to find these night vision, because you have to find them. Writing those off is a huge deal. They did that for a day or two, I think two days, before they came back and told the kid, trying to get him to explain what he had done and make him feel bad. He just started laughing. He said, when I threw it in the porter shitter, it was what we called him. He said, I threw it on the floor. I didn't throw it down the hole. That'd be gross. So then they're trying to figure out, well, what happens and what to do and why this is going on. You got guys out digging through human waste. We got guys out there arm in arm walking all over the jungle, essentially trying to find these night vision. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows if this kid's telling the truth. For all they know, he stole them and, threw him out a truck while they were driving and threw him down a ravine. They weren't sure what to do. So somebody came up with this idea and said, well, let's go down to the company that cleans these and see if we can find out who the driver was. Perhaps the driver came across him and picked him up and didn't know any better. So they went out and talked to the driver, got him to come into the company. We just sent a couple of military officers, went down there, two or three people. And the guy's like, yeah, looked at the photos. He said, yeah, I did find something like that. I have them actually. And they're like, well, you need to return those. Those are military property. He's like, look, that was thrown away as waste. They weren't stolen. You know, I gave him my kid to enjoy. I'm not going to give him back to you. You guys lost it tough. And the company supported that. 
his company he was working for. So the military left, went back, took another day or two, and then they got some lawyers and other military people, probably a general. I think they got some civilians involved. They took a whole entourage down there and basically let this guy know how bad it was going to be for him. So he took a couple of them, went down to a public school, had his kid open his locker, and we got the night vision back. And I think we were stuck there for like a week. And it's kind of the extreme lengths people will go to. So I don't know what's going on with these C4 29 Palms. Could have been stolen, sure. Could have been lost. Could have been used. But having worked with hazardous material, explosives, and ammunition, I can tell you there's classes you go through. It has to be documented, controlled, issued. Everything's counted, even expended brass, and they take it very seriously. So somebody screwed up in order to lose seven pounds, whether it was not documented correctly and they exploded it, whether somebody took it and it wasn't documented, somebody stole it, something happened. And I'm sure some of that information will go public. Maybe a lot of it won't. And I've had this issue dealing with ammo before, but I had a friend down in Fort Benning, Georgia. Same issue. They went out to a demo range during a training exercise. They were using C4 and debt cord and timing fuse and all kinds of things. They were blowing doors, blowing phone poles up, just checking out what the different damage to do, the different structures, learning how to use explosives and shape charges and all this kind of stuff. And my buddy had a private that was new. He'd only been there maybe a week before they went out to this range. So he joins the Army, goes to basic training, goes to the infantry school, and then just about walks across the street and stays in Fort Benning, Georgia, goes out there and gets assigned under my buddy, and he's going to go play with explosives. So during this time, nobody realized anything was actually missing. Everything was documented appropriately. They were not missing any ammunition. They weren't missing deck cord. They weren't missing timing fuse. They weren't missing C4, nothing. So some time goes by, not very long, a few weeks, and they decide to do room inspections, which is common in the military. You'll go up, you make sure your room's clean, you'll just get a few days' notice, make it all pretty like it's a basic training. Commander, first sergeant, some other people, or maybe a colonel, they're going to come through and inspect rooms and see how everybody lives. So when they meet this brand new private, they see that he has tools like to play with clay and stuff. He likes to do modeling, apparently. That was his thing. He builds models out of clay and molds them and sculpts, and it's just like a little hobby he does. And so on his TV set or dresser there, he has some little figurines. And they're looking at him and picking him up and, you know, is it okay if we touch these? He's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm just learning how to do it. It's a hobby. And looking at these little Play-Doh models, essentially, of some sort of clay. And they keep going back to it. The first sergeant keeps going back to it. And he can't figure out why it is he keeps being attracted to these. And so he picks them up and he kind of smells them. <laughs> and he goes... This really seems like it's C4. And the private looks at him without skipping to me and goes, oh, Roger, first sergeant, that's C4. And then he goes, what? <laughs> he says, yeah, I got it from that range a few weeks ago. They let me have some. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm just using it because I didn't have any clay to make these little figurines. And they're like, and from this point on, I'm going to talk like them. So there's a lot of cussing involved. But he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, no, really, first sergeant, it's, that's some C4. I got like a brick of it. And they're like, Private, you better not be fucking with us. And they, they really started to go after him. They went and got his platoon sergeant, his squad leader's there. Eventually, the sergeant major gets involved. The commander's in there. There's like 
five, six key leaders in this guy's room and 10 people in the hallway, all of significant rank, trying to figure out what is going on. And it got to the point where they lock him up. He's standing there, parade rest or attention, whatever he's doing, talking to the commander first sergeant. He's like, I wouldn't lie to you, sir. I wouldn't lie to you, first sergeant. I'm telling you, that is C4. They said I could have it. So I just threw up my ruck. I took it back. I thought it was okay. I swear to God, I had no idea. And they kept drilling this guy, and then they finally came in and they took it. Of course, they took the stuff and figured out it was, in fact, C4. And they're trying to figure out, what are they going to do to this kid? Well, nothing happened to the kid. They figured out exactly what happened. It was completely innocent, and that this kid had done nothing wrong. I mean, he'd done stuff wrong, but he didn't know any better and wasn't properly supervised. So going back to how this stuff's handled, typically an NCO, at least a sergeant or staff sergeant, depending on what you have to work with, has to be trained, knows how to use it. They control the items. They pick them up document them, transfer them to people to use. And when it comes to explosives, they just don't get handed out to soldiers. Like NCOs, staff sergeants or sergeants, usually have to come up and sign for them. And this private, being brand new, was hip to hip all day with my buddy who was his squad leader, a staff sergeant, and they would go up and get the explosives. And then there's things that when they were done, you didn't need an NCO there that you could go return them, like any scraps of stuff, Certain things that were expended, they weren't dangerous anymore, they would pick it up, bring it back to this ammo point, essentially, where they'd either be collecting ammo, unused stuff, or used stuff, just part of the normal process. But this kid kept going up there repeatedly with my buddy, the squad leader, trying to pick up C4, because that's what they were using, or deck cord, and he was always there helping them. Very normal thing. So it turns out that they were doing some experimentation, trying to basically expend everything left. A very typical thing. Oh, we have all this ammo left. Let's shoot it. We have all these explosives left. Let's. What training can we do before this is over? And they were trying to use up all the C4. Of course, they didn't do it. But near the end of it, the private walks back up there, unsupervised. And he's like, hey, can I get a brick of this to use? And these NCOs that were standing there was the first point of failure. They're like, yeah, and they hand it to him. They're not supposed to hand it to him without another NCO there. But they hand it to him because he was always there with the NCO. They just kind of assumed because my buddy was squared away, it was no big deal. That's where they screwed up. And then it, it went from there. Like there was other things that happened, but that was the first point. And the kid grabbed the C4. He walked back to his rucksack. All the rucksacks in the infantry, they lay them out in a formation. So you got backpacks on the ground that would be right where people would be sitting. They all face the same way. They're all packed the same way. Bunch of people are there. They don't even notice it. He walks up with the C4 and just throws it in his rucksack and takes it home. And then he spends the next two, three weeks carving claymation animals out of it. And that stuff's dangerous. Like, it needs heat and pressure to explode. But bad things could happen. I mean, what happened if guys got drunk in the barracks and started lighting stuff on fire and throwing this stuff around? I don't know that that would necessarily detonate it, but it'd be dangerous. And if you're wondering, well, who's going to light stuff on fire and flow things around? Find somebody who's been in the military, lives in the barracks. They'll tell you the kind of stuff that goes on there. It gets crazy. It makes college look like kindergarten. Now, why did I want to tell this story? I was thinking about the recent so-called shutdown or slowdown of the military. I didn't look too much into it where they're trying to root out extremist organizations. And reading some of it, it looks questionable. It really comes down to seeing the products they develop and the training they develop why they're doing this. Are they just letting people know that they're extremist organizations? Are they really looking for extremist organizations? Because it's, I find it interesting what the military goes public with that they take seriously versus what they don't and whether or not they say they're taking seriously if they do. Example is 
it's not uncommon to get a secretary of defense, a secretary of the army, even somebody in the joint chiefs or some general somewhere in a military service has to testify before Congress. And I used to watch these guys. I mean, even recently we had murders and deaths and I think it was in Fort Bliss, it was in Texas. And some of it was connected to sexual assault where a bunch of people got relieved and they brought people in to do interviews and even looking at the numbers and things people said, they went in, they relieved that general. And I think all that was definitely needed to happen, but they ignored the fact to act like this was unique. It wasn't that's standard. Unfortunately, that's the military. It happens all over. And when I used to see these guys go in front of Congress, they'd always talk about sexual assault, sexual harassment as though they're taking it seriously. Well, those guys are not in touch with reality. They're given this information. They don't know these soldiers. And none of it's ever taken seriously. It's like they seem to take the wrong things seriously. And then the ones they should take seriously, they get ignored as though nobody cares, nobody's going to know. So even though a couple of NCOs handed a guy a brick of C4, other people got relieved over this, quite a few, because they failed to check things. They failed to do inspections of people when they were leaving. And it just kind of worked out that way. And here's the thing. They never would have got caught if this kid wouldn't have had it he would have thrown it away, walked away with it. And those things happen all the time and they're just not taken seriously. And so I'm not sure what the military is doing now, what they think they're taking seriously or what they're not, but there's a huge problem in the military with accountability. So when you see stuff about no matter where you think the money's coming from, increased budgets, whether you think it's a black budget program or how money's being spent, if you get down to the nitty gritty, down to the unit level where people spending money, you see there's waste all the time. One of the things they do is usually by the end of August, you got to spend whatever's left of your budget because you get so much of a budget down to a company to spend. Let's say to make the math easy, let's say you have a hundred dollars a year. It's a lot more, but let's say you have a hundred dollars. Well, in August, if you only have 80 bucks and you don't spend it all, and let's say you've only spent 80 out of your hundred, your next year budget is going to be 80 bucks. So they want to make sure they get that money. So they'll just blow the money. Now, sometimes the money's used well. I was in a unit once where they just took a room, an office, and bought enough printer paper to fill that thing up. So they didn't have to worry about buying printer paper for the next year, year and a half. The problem is they had so much printer paper, decided they could print anything, and they burned through it quicker than anybody. And needed to ask for more money to get paper, even though they had four or five times the amount of paper most people did, because they handled it irresponsibly. Or they buy expendable items, things that can be thrown away that they don't need more of, whether it's pens and notebooks or sunglasses, and then they give them to the soldiers. And that's great for all the soldiers, but they waste that money. The lack of accountability doesn't surprise me, but it does shock me with the things that come out publicly that they claim to or act like they want to take seriously. They did the same thing with suicide. That's still a huge thing, veteran suicide, and they treated it almost like sexual assault where you'd come back from a deployment and you'd have to go through the training, and the training was bullshit. It was stupid videos. It was bad advice. They weren't put together by professional mental health experts, and they just had guys that essentially had been fired from real jobs who were given BS staff jobs to give them something to do because nobody would properly dispose of or punish soldiers anymore, and they would teach these garbage classes about sexual assault. Or we get situations where I had a very well-known famous colonel in a unit that involved trainees. He would have all the new soldiers would come in. You know, they're all between 17 and 19. They'd come in and talk about a lot of things for several hours, including things like sexual assault, but also accountability, all the things soldiers need to know. Different people give presentations, different commanders want to introduce themselves. I really liked this guy. He was really smart, but he did one thing that I always thought was terrible. It was one of the reasons that we continue to have problems in certain areas because of statements like this. He would just walk out in front of hundreds, sometimes a thousand soldiers, 
male and female teenagers. And he'd ask all the females to raise their hands, and of course they would. And then he would tell everybody to look at everybody who's got their hands raised to point out these females. And he would say, when you go downtown on the weekend, once you've earned your passes, and you and your girlfriend decide to walk in a room with three or four guys and some, they got some beer, don't come knocking on my door Monday because you already know what's going to happen. As far as I'm concerned, that's what you wanted. And that's what he would say. How he never got relieved, I don't know. He was a good commander in a lot of ways. But things like that happen all the time. There's things that aren't taken seriously that should be and things that are taken like it's the end of the world and it doesn't get handled appropriately and it wastes time and it wastes money. So I do hope at least at the beginning you found the first two stories funny. Usually people find them pretty entertaining. Those are true stories. I imagine the 29 Palm story one day somebody's going to tell the story about it if it's more detailed and then they just checked the wrong box or didn't track what they blew up. But equipment goes missing all the time. We lost an entire striker vehicle in a unit I was in in Fort Lewis. An entire striker, a 24-ton, eight-wheeled vehicle, was lost for like nine months. I knew guys that found mill vans, connexes, metal containers that get shipped to and from theater. They get sent to the wrong place in the base to go disappearing for like a year. And then they find them full of all kinds of stuff that got written off. And sometimes people turn that in and sometimes they take it away. I've heard all kinds of stories about missing equipment. Everything from little tools to big machines. And it's never properly investigated or taken seriously. Things like sexual assault, suicide are not taken seriously. The missing weapons and explosives and vehicles not taken seriously. But all kinds of little dumb shit is turned into almost a national security matter. And it's part of the problem. And it comes from leaders, bad leadership, bad managers, not wanting to ruin somebody's career when they should be ruined because they screwed up, not wanting to do something to this person because of their higher rank that would look bad to the unit. But if a lower rank person do it, we'll light them on fire and send them to hell. There's a complete mismanagement of the way things happened, the way things change, what goes on and how dishes are dealt with and whether or not they want to follow policies and laws until they get caught. And then when they do get caught, like they did in Texas, maybe they kind of push it as an issue across the army, maybe the other branches of the military, but nobody thought we need to go do this on every military base and find out what's happening. Because if they did that and then expanded it to missing items equipment and did it for several months to a year, you'd see the army get smaller. At least the army, if not the other branches, when they started relieving people and kicking them out and court-martialing, which they should do. But they don't. And then they take people that are higher ranking and say, well, we'll knock you down a rank. That'll look bad and be embarrassing, but you still keep your huge-ass pension. But if some E5 did it, they'd have been kicked out of the army after being court-martialed and sent to jail. So anyway, while not typically the gray man concept, at least you got a fun little story there. And then my opinion about things work in one aspect of a government, the waste funds and money that could be fixed. There's ways it could be addressed. Just nobody does it. Make sure you check the show notes for DMR publications. Whereas all of our social medias include the new one, locals.com, where we started that subscription service. I'm putting content up on there every day, trying to get more content to see if we really get people that want to be in there, want to learn, want to ask questions and get involved. Until maybe I get to the point where I have my own independent website or perhaps online training school, but that takes a lot of time. And I'm working towards that to have a training program that I can put out there for people. But I'm keeping it at two bucks now. Keep it cheaper than most people have it. Two dollars is a minimum on that website. And you get that 30-day promo code to see if there's something you really want to check out and what you want to be a part of. Thanks for listening. We'll have more for you here soon right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.